Recording from the mini studio at Colorado State University, you are listening to Let's Talk Trio on podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Juan Rivas. I am so glad to be back with the podcast. I know we took a month-long break. Uh, there is a project I'm still working on. It is the political post that I've, it's been a work in progress. And it's really more to advocate for TRIO. And it's, uh, again, doing heavy research uh, in the background, uh, especially concerning the administration's current efforts to undermine several civil rights bills and legislations that uh, have long existed uh, but now the, this current administration is, is seeking to dismantle those things. Again, this is more of me trying to figure out the research, how it lines up. I'm trying to really stitch together how those narratives work together. I am uh, through various factors, right, that research does take some time. I'm currently uh, in talks of possibly looking for a producer, someone that will help me with the research and really help me t- uh, really tighten up this narrative that... I feel needs to be reported on. It's it's something, again, I'm working on, and it's uh, definitely a work in progress. It's not ready yet. I don't feel that it's at that level where it needs to be. Uh, so for the moment, it's kind of s- sitting in the background, still working on it. Uh, it's going to be multiple episodes, and I will re- release those episodes all at once. I've been slowly working on trying to uh, really get the, get the recording first and then uh, start uh, releasing the episodes. Once once all the episodes are ready and I feel like they're in a good spot, I'll release them simultaneously and uh, the audience can then uh, follow along. Uh, I just feel like these conversations are very important. That trio, uh, I feel, has always been on the defensive and has always had to justify why these programs need to exist. And I think us as a public, as, as a collective consciousness, right, that we are aware that trio programs are important. But it seems like our uh, the people that make our laws, that people that make uh, that fund education, no longer see. It's sad they they see a, a, they don't see the need for trio anymore. Uh, that is evident in the Prosper Act and how it reduces uh, funding for trio and how it seeks to consolidate trio programs under one roof. And it's unfortunate. It's slowly choking the life out of the trio programs. And for me, this is important. It's a, it's a it's an issue near and dear to my heart, and that's why I'm speaking out against it. Um, and it's unfortunate, right, that we even have to have this conversation. You would think that administration, um, all previous administrations, have seen the benefit of trio, and they've and they've allowed them to continue existing because it is a public good. It is a public thing that we can justify. Uh, to allow students, first-generation low-income students, to, to transition to, to from high school to college or even assist those students who are still in college or even better yet, if you're a non-traditional student seeking uh, another way, a way to, for you to come back to school or for a way for you to go to school in the first place, that uh, there are various TRIO programs that do that. And again, it's it's something that we're still, that I'm still researching. Uh, I'm, I want to make sure that the that the episode I put out there is at, a, is at a top quality and that my research, I'll be honest, I want it to be irrefutable. I want it to be something that if a lawmaker heard this or a, 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 they heard the episode, it would be very hard for them to vote against TRIO. It would be very hard for them to realize um, that eliminating TRIO would be a good. It would be really hard for them to make those actions. And that's why the, the research that I'm doing is... Um, 
kind of in the background. It's still working on it. It's a work in progress. Uh, and I promise it's going to be released soon. And it's going to be, I think, a, a pretty good episode. Um, so I'll keep you all posted on that. It's, it's Again, it's still a work in progress. In the meantime, there are various connections that I've made with uh, the TRIO Academic Advancement Center and uh, here at Colorado State University. And I've made several connections uh, here at, at CSU with my colleagues. And it seems like we're going to have a pretty heavy CSU episode, uh, pretty heavy CSU episodes rather, uh, in the coming future. Uh, so August to mid-September, you're going to hear a lot from CSU alum, current CSU students, uh, that are part of the TRIO AAC program or even the TRIO Upward Bound program, T uh, TRIO Educational Talent Search. These are going to be magnificent stories. Today's story I bring you is uh, Jose Valdez, who is a colleague here at Colorado State University. He is an undeclared advisor. And his role is uh, helping students kind of do a, an exploration of majors, right, to uh, ensure uh, that the student is going to, getting into the right major. Jose has a great story to tell. I think that uh, when you listen to his, um, his journey and what he has had to go through to get to this point uh, is really telling of what a TRIO student is. And Jose's affiliation with the TRIO Student Support Services Program really speaks to that, that importance of, it speaks to that ability to adapt, to continue growing, and to really have a, a mindset that says, I want to succeed. I know that with uh, TRIO programs, uh, students feel that they are often, uh, when they either transitioning from high school or getting into college or uh, for the first time realizing, like, I need to go back to college, that a lot of students feel this empty void. They, they, they don't know where to turn to. They don't know where to go. And I think uh, Jose's story really highlights that feeling that you get when you feel a little out of place. Um, and we talk a little bit about that. But I want you to enjoy the, this podcast. I'm so glad to be back. Uh, and again, I, this month-long month long break, uh, I, I honestly was ready to come back that, that after, the week after the 4th of July. I was ready to come back and do more episodes. Unfortunately, I don't think I was in the right, I wasn't in the right emotional state to continue doing interviews. If you are friends with me on Facebook, you already know why. Uh, there are several things going on personally that I don't want to share on the podcast. But just know that uh, that I've been able to process. I've been uh, now in a getting getting in a good spot where I feel comfortable again uh, with uh, doing interviews and, and pushing myself forward. Uh, again, broadcasting has been something that I've been very passionate about. It's something I want to continue doing. And now with uh, a lot of um, I don't want to call them barriers. I just want to call them um, obstacles, things that we that um, I was struggling with. Uh, it feels like they've been removed. And now moving forward, it's uh, continuing the, this show uh, really to help promote TRIO. And that still is my mission, and that still is what I want to do. Now, there's going to be twists to the show. Uh, I think at the very beginning, I was very ambitious, and I, and I said, I just want to record TRIO stories. Uh, I will let the audience know now that there, that might change, that I might bring in a co-host to let's talk about um, education, Let's talk about how things are changing in the educational environment. Um, and it's, it's good to have a co-host because I, I'll, I'll admit it's uh, doing a solo show and just being able to interview people. It's great and all, but I feel like there's a more lively conversation when it happens when you have uh, more than two people 
participating in, in the conversation. And uh, so the future direction of the show, it's still, we're going to record uh, uh, interviews. We're going to get to know staff and students, um, and whether it's phone or in person, but uh, a possible, possible um, co-host in the future to help me make this conversation lively and make sure that it stays on point. Um, and we're, we are currently looking for a producer, someone that will help us kind of do a research on the back end. Uh, that way we are not caught up with, uh, time, with these uh, deadlines. Uh, I'm recommitting back to uh, posting on Wednesdays, so you will have uh, a new episode every single Wednesday. Um, when there are breaks, I can tell you right now uh, that November will be my next uh, time that I actually take a break. Uh, that'll be around Thanksgiving and then uh, Christmas break as well. That, that'll be another um, break that I'll take as well. Just because, again, we, we need to emotionally recharge and um, it's, it's just being able to make sure that you are uh, in that uh, right emotional state to continue. And for me, I think uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, those are going to be times that I'm going to be spending with my family. Uh, and I really just want to make sure that I devote time for that and I'm able to step away from podcasting for just those two times. Uh, but otherwise, I'm going to, again, find TRIO staff, find TRIO students. Um, so, yeah. Uh, if you ever want to be featured on the podcast, please give me a, a Facebook comment uh, or message me via Facebook. I would love to get in touch with you and connect. Uh, this uh, this this episode right is uh, only one of many and I want you to be able to uh, share your story here at let's talk trio that way we can uh, hear where you're coming from what your journey was uh, because everybody's journey is different yes there are common themes there are common elements but I feel like everybody had a different journey to get here um, uh, got get to college and, and be successful that's the journey and everybody had it differently so uh, I hope that you sit back, enjoy this podcast. Uh, it was a great interview, and I just wanted to say quickly, Jose, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's been great, and um, I look forward to continue collaborating with you in the future. I want to welcome Jose Valdez to the Let's Talk Trio program. Jose, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about Trio and your experiences, but like anything, we want to know your origin story. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came up as a student? Okay, yeah, no doubt. Um, so I'm originally from Southern California by way of Los Angeles uh, from immigrant parents. Um, so I guess... My educational experience would be, uh, I guess you could say it was, it, it was a difficult one to say the least, per se. Per se. Um, I only say that because, you know, as an adult now, reflecting back throughout my K through 12 years, particularly during my uh, first K through six back, back in the day, <laughs> um, we, I guess what I was trying to say was during the, uh, uh, conference parent conferences uh, doing some reflections and talking about what's what's what uh, felt true to me during that time I remember my mother reminding me that I guess now as an adult that I was just kind of curious one day I told her hey mom like what did what would teachers say say to you about me 
um, during the during the parent conferences, and she's like, "Well, I mean, who I can't really remember, but uh, the only thing that really you know that sticks to me was that they always told me that I was a space cadet, you know, that I had my head in the clouds." Mm-hmm. So, so that that kind of made me think a lot because I remember during the during that time of, of my life, the the only time that school made sense to me was when when I was in the playground, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the only time that I actually felt that I was being productive or I felt like I actually got or knew what I was doing was in the playground. So sports was really important to me at that time. And and I feel like that was the only thing that I, that gave me some sort of like purpose and confidence because during school, school I was like, hmm, yeah, I get it, but it's not really something that I'm, that I'm like overly passionate about. And then transitioning into junior high, which is now known as middle school, I lost that, you know. Um, I didn't have any more outlets anymore, and the school was super underfunded. Um, and honestly, you know, unfortunately, yeah, you know, mo- all the teachers. Now that I think about it, maybe the majority of them were exclusive, were predominantly white. So didn't most of them couldn't understand, you know, who we who we were. The the school was predominantly a Latino, Chicano, ex uh, student population. Obviously, we also had Armenians and. Asians of different uh, different racial ethnic identities, and um, obviously there was a there was a lot, there was a lot of tension there. You know, a lot of gang activity, and and for me, I was I was just overwhelmed about everything. And then transition from there. I mean, I don't know how I graduated from junior high because I flunked pretty much my first and second year. Mm-hmm. And but I guess you know what they say is that you know during years one through eight you can pretty much screw around and they still will take will uh, advance you to the next grade yeah. the only time they hold you back is from grade nine grades nine through twelve and i was like no oh, okay so i graduated miraculously from junior high school went on to went on to uh high school and i feel like i had purpose again because i i wanted to play football okay. and that gave me purpose that gave me pride in my school and and then that unfortunately didn't work out because I got injured and then I just kind of gave up. Uh, I just kind of, I was just there, you know, like I didn't really care about school. I just kind of did what I had to do, had no passion in anything. And unfortunately, I think my high school didn't feature anything like educational talent search, didn't feature anything like upward bound. And so I said, well, you know, whatever. And that's when I, um, was kind of like getting ready to graduate high school and I'm like okay now what and then the only people that really kind of pushed college to, towards me were a couple of uh, relatives on my mother's side and they went actually up to Chico State where where it's just where I started off and I was like okay well I guess I could go there you know I never really unfortunately I, I never visited college campuses I didn't even know anything about the financial aid process I was just in the dark, unfortunately. Yeah, like I, a lot of first generation students are where they don't know a lot of this whole college process where you're supposed to be looking at colleges your junior year, right? And right. they don't tell you that until you hit, uh, after you graduate from uh, high yeah. school. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're good. And yeah, man, I took the SAT. And <laughs> gosh, got a really low score and I was like, man, I don't know if this thing is for me. So I tried doing it again. Maybe got slightly a little bit of a bump, but I was like, man, so now that I'm thinking about a PhD program, you know, thinking about the GRE scares the crap out of me. But anyhow, uh, but yeah, so so that's when I decided, okay, look, I got accepted. I had applied, I got into Chico State through a sister program of student sports services called the Education Opportunity Program, ELP. 
and they pretty much have a similar purpose. They serve students who are, you know, first gen, low income, mainly mostly students of color. Um, and yeah, um, it was a huge culture shock to say the least when I first moved from Los Angeles to Chico, California, where I was immersed in dense diversity, where I was one of many, um, with uh, with the community that I resided in, to being one of only few. Um, I remember this. I remember this like it was yesterday. Um, I remember my first wing meeting and being like maybe the only other person of color um, in that meeting, and I was just looking around and saying, "Man, there was a lot of white faces here," and I was like, "Whoa, where am I? I'm not. I'm not in LA anymore." And and that's when it really hit me, and that's when I was just like looking for other people that looked like me, and and that was that was that was like all I really cared about at the time. You know, I wanted to just connect with other other students that were, you know, uh, similar background and, and, uh, yeah, that, that in itself, you know, the first, the first year of college was, was a little difficult. Um, I did okay the first semester. I got like a two, two, one or something like that. That's because I had that structured support, um, that I think a lot of our students could really benefit even now, <laughs> you know, where you had like a, a cluster of classes, you had a, you had like a, a mentor, you had stuff like that, and I was like, cool. But then like once they released me, the, the spring semester, that's when I really struggled, you know, because I was like, my support group was gone. I did it. I, I was like, I was, you know, part of a cluster where you had some, a lot of students that looked like you, and now it was like one of maybe one or two students who were, you know, of color and everybody else was white. You know? yeah. And I was really intimidated to share my opinion on any discussion topic or, you know, unfortunately, all those negative thoughts started creeping up in my head, thinking, oh, man, they probably think I'm stupid or this and that. So were you feeling kind of like that imposter syndrome of you felt like you were out, super out of place? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. I, I, I had no I just I, I didn't I didn't have the skill set. I couldn't I didn't know how to write at a college level, you know, and I remember one time, you know, like it was for a, a philosophy class. on uh, It was an ethics course. And so, yeah, you know, we would listen to the professor and we would just kind of, and then I remember one time he gave me a, a feedback on a paper, a one-page paper nonetheless, but he, he was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty upfront, you know, he was just telling me, yeah, you know, this, the, the content is underdeveloped, you need to develop, you know, you should probably think about developing a much more richer vocabulary, and I felt real, really, really, really stupid after that, you know. I'm sorry to hear that. No, I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily take it. Take it bad. I just realized that I was very underprepared. Yeah. Like I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't prepared. Like my. I didn't prepare myself adequately during high school. I wasn't proactive because I just thought you know, I just kind of went about the. Just kind of crossed off the boxes. You know, checked off the boxes. I'm sorry. And I was like, yeah, you know, um, here I am, and I'm just gonna go through these four. Four years, graduate, get a job, and you know, do what everybody else does, right? You know, and and then that's why I was just like, man, I'm, I was just really swimming upstream though, during those first couple of years there. I was pretty much failing every semester over, and and then to the point where I was like, my last semester, I, I pretty much failed everything, all my classes, and so I was pretty much at the doorstep of being academically disqualified or dismissed, as we call it here at Colorado State. And then I said, well, 
I think I better leave before they tell me to leave because obviously I don't see any improvement uh, coming 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 forward or developing. So I said, you know what? I think I should probably just uh, remove myself from the situation. Um, and at the time, it was the best decision I could. I felt like I could have made, you know. And then that's when I decided I was considering the military. Yeah. But I only did that because I was dating someone at the time, and her brother, um, her brother had become a Marine, and so I was like, oh, okay, maybe I should do that just so I can impress her. I mean, okay. stupid decision, I guess, you know. But as a teenager, you know. You know, I guess what do you what do you what do you know at the time, right? You know, right. you just kind of act on a whim, and so I was like, yeah, I guess I could do that. And let me tell you, for those of you who consider doing the military, uh, my mad respects to you, but do it if you know you are hundred hundred percent absolutely sure this is what you want to do. If you never want to go in there, uh, kind of like maybe, or because at the end of the day, if you get in, once you get in, you can't get out. Right. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? I mean, nah, no. Mad respect for our, you know, soldiers. Um, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, it shouldn't be something that you should just do because college didn't work out. Yeah. All right. And so that's kind of where I was at uh, in my pro in my journey, and then I moved back home. Because I'm real back uh, backing up real quick. Mm -hmm. how, how many years did you serve uh, as part of the Marines? Oh, I, I, I uh, unfortunately didn't didn't become a Marine. I I got I made it to boot camp for the first week, and then they screens me and then they said oh well you know your 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 vision is way too in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for your vision was way too impaired on your left eye oh my gosh and so I, I couldn't continue anymore so they obviously as soon as as soon as they found that in my left eye and they said yeah so I, I had to uh, I had to uh, I had to be placed into a separation platoon and that took felt like it was only for a few days but those few days felt like forever and then, you know, finally got, you know, discharged and started working. Um, yeah, started working for a while. Like I said, started helping out my parents. Obviously, my dad didn't mind getting some of that extra green that I was giving him. Mm -hmm. So I think in, in a traditional Latinx household, Chicano X household, however you identify, that's how, that's how families do it, you know? The, the kids grow up, they become adults, they, they, they live with the parents until they're married and whatnot, and... In the meantime, once the, the son or daughter is old enough to help out, you know, to get a job and, you know, they're expected to contribute. Right. And I think, you know, from my father's standpoint, that was that was good enough for him, you know, like yeah. the education, you know, he knew it was important, but didn't really see the, the actual benefit from it. Mm -hmm. um, so because obviously in him, you know, he, he only understood dollars because dollars provided survival, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So. I think that's what a lot of people don't understand uh, when it comes to students with trio backgrounds, right? Mm -hmm. Is that we're we're in the survival mode mm -hmm. at, that, at that at that point in time. Whether you're educational talent search, upward bound, mm -hmm. student support services, you're not looking money to be right to say I just want to get money to get more money and all that. It's more for survival. Right. How is the next dollar going to help me in the next two weeks? Right. So yeah, stretching that out. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the things uh, sometimes. We as professionals forget to understand that you know our, our students are not only having to maintain a full course load, but at the same time, you know sometimes even be like the spokesperson for the family, the interpreter for their family. Right. Sometimes in in some cases, like in my case, I I remember when when I would come home from college during my chico years, my mom was having difficulty with my brother. He was a lot more rebellious mm. growing up as a teenager, uh -huh. you know, because I was you know I I pretty much adhered to 
everything my mom, you know, demanded of me because she, you know, obviously she was very overprotective of me, didn't allow me to go out and hang out and everything like that, or was, and so, and so my brother was on the opposite. He, I guess he witnessed that, and he's like, no, I'm not going to be like my brother, you know, and so the funny thing is, like, when I would come back home, I was kind of like the mediator, like the, the family therapist, if you will. Right. <laughs> yeah, man, and so I think, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past some of our students that they sometimes would have to also be, you know, ther- therapists for their parents because they, they come, you know, they leave and now uh, they go to college and, you know, obviously it comes with a lot of pressure, but at the same time there's this level of prestige that comes with it, you know, we're like, oh, look, you know, my, my son or daughter is, is, is going to school at CSU or any other institution for that matter. And so now it's almost kind of like they, they've been, you know, uh, Don the the no the the person the 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 wise person of the bunch, and sometimes yeah. for students you know it's kind of like well you know I don't know everything you know, I I I am specializing in this and then so it's like you know then you have this pressure of like okay why well, your parents, if there's something they don't understand they want you to figure out figure it out for them and right. and then if you don't know then you then you know sometimes unfortunately because our parents uh, may not understand they might just say well, aren't you going to school then. Or why are you going to school then? Or why aren't you, you know? Right. And, and there, so... There's this expectation that, as you already said, mm-hmm. they expect you to know a whole set of other skills, but you're specializing in, in college, you're specializing in one thing. I think that's what a lot of Latinx families, mm-hmm. they go through that kind of jarring experience of, right. oh, you're only specializing in this one area. I thought you were specializing in this whole thing. Um, and that can be pretty... I, I know for me, and this is my personal experience, is... When my dad saw me go through college, it was like, oh, so you're studying history. So you know all of history. You know all of Latin American history. You know European history. You know all this. And I was like, I specialized in U- U.S. history, Dad. I-, I didn't really specialize in everything that you're talking about. I was like, I would love to. And he's like, well, then. He's like, I don't know why I'm asking you this question. So mm-hmm. anyway, move on. But, yeah, just kind of reflecting on that experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I just, and I just think that, you know, yeah. Our, our students just definitely have a lot on their plate, you know, yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're talking about financial aid for first generation and low income students, uh, it used to be back in the 70s that financial aid would almost take care of almost everything. Uh, the students didn't really have to worry. As the years went by and as new administrations took over, we saw less and less of financial aid um, and TRIO programs have had to really step up and become kind of more advocates for students. Uh, you joined, I'm guessing, trio, uh, a trio, the TRIO uh, program um, at a time where funding started becoming a little bit more limited. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about that experience and um, kind of your connection to TRIO? Absolutely. So I joined um, Student Support Services, I want to say 2000, in 2004. So, so Student Support Services, for those who don't know, is the branch of TRIO that you know, for lack of a better term, s- supports college aid college students um, through their you know th- throughout their time in college. Um, I would say, as far as financial aid, you know, yeah, they, they were able to give me, you know, uh, a small grant, you know, things of that sort. But obviously, uh, me not me not knowing any better at the time, you know, I, and because of this survival mode, I just I was taking out loans like it was candy, man. And 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 I, I was not even thinking about 
not even thinking about anything in the long haul about like how this was going to impact me as a professional, which still is impacting me today. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, I was able to, um, you know, get my loans consolidated and you know get that get that under control a little bit. But yeah, uh, so bar if you borrow, borrow, borrow what you need. Don't borrow don't borrow more than what you don't need because um, because at the end of the day, you know those those nice pair of shoes that car that you or that sound system or that nice flat screen tv is gonna it's gonna come out being a lot more expensive and with interest so for those of you listening (laughs) (laughs) trust me the taco that you buy tomorrow with student loans is going to be a 50 dollar taco down the road absolutely absolutely i I hear that yeah and so i think for me what what, i mean i guess you could call it a a blessing and a curse yeah Uh you you have to work Unfortunately, yeah. you have to work yeah. because at the end of the day, you know, nowadays, you know, your your degree is important, but at the end of the day, it's it's a dime a dozen type of thing, and so now you got to figure out other ways to stand out Absolutely, and develop yeah. your develop your uh, academic or professional portfolio, and and so I feel like for me, you know, at, at at the time when I first started, when I went back to school and I first started, uh, I was working as a server. Uh, you know, at, at the Mexican restaurant where my, my where my parents still work to this day, and that my goodness was a big stressful position, but yeah. but you know I had to, it paid the bills, you know, because the tips were good, you know, but at the same time it was difficult to balance that with school, um, because at the end of the day, you know, when you when you work when you work um, for someone in the community, it's their needs first, right. and then. And then that's that's where it kind of got really really difficult. And unfortunately, you know, I, after 2005, I didn't work there anymore, which actually was a blessing in disguise because, uh, and I won't get into as to why I was no longer working there, but <laughs> but it was kind of like it opened the door to my first uh, position as in Trio. Um, I w- my first position as an undergrad um, in Trio was through the Educational Ta- Talent Search Program as a uh, program assistant. Yeah, as a program assistant, and so I pretty much was kind of like a recruiter. So go out locally and um, you know talk to students about what educational talent search does, and so and then also at the same time visits visits uh, schools in the area that were part that had been partners with educational talent search, and had you know so you kind of like make them do like I think if I can remember, I know it was a long time ago, but it's called. It was like a kind of like a career readiness workbook that we oh, yeah. that they were having to fill out, yeah. and then obviously you know they the students obviously enjoyed you know the field trips you know up to like Elitch Elitch Gardens or the zoo or museum or yeah. things of that sort. The big ticket trips, the ones that uh, rewarded them for participating. Absolutely, absolutely. But then that's kind of when I first kind of started discovering a. That was when I first started discovering you know access, higher education, first gen, low income students. Know, getting them, getting them excited, getting them, um, you know, pumped, or you know, get, giving them some sort of vision as to why, you know, higher education is important. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, through your works, we'll say that you really reflected that that higher education is super meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, did Trio play at all another uh, any role in your continued aspirations? Does it does it continue to uh, influence your work today? I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the funny thing is I was kind of, I've been kind of doing a lot of reflection reflection lately about, you know, what the next step might look like, because I've been um, here in my position now for 
know, in October it'll be about six years. Yeah. So I was just kind of thank you. So I've just kind of been thinking about well, you know, uh, what what is what would the next step look like possibly, and um, and so I feel like sometimes I I was kind of overthinking about the whole idea of like well, I was kind of trying to stay away from the from the typical narrative of okay well as a professional of color I I, I want to implement you know or infiltrate higher ed because I want to help for first gen low income students. And that tends to be the typical narrative, and I kind of wanted to shy away from that. But at the end of the day, it was like, why? Why am I shying away from that? That's exactly why I got here, because I feel like there were people that, you know, invested in me mm-hmm. when I didn't believe in myself, you know? And so I think any opportunity I get to partner with TRIO, uh, I definitely wanted to, uh, definitely have and would like to continue taking advantage of that. Um, so most recently, I think... Uh, you know, uh, this was when I first started here at CSU, but I was able to uh, kind of give the students from Upward Bound here at CSU just kind of like an introduction about what college life was going to be like. You know, hey, you know, this high school is pretty prescriptive. You know, you check off boxes. You, your, your path is pretty linear to, towards graduation. And, you know, and then when you come to college, it could look like this. You could go like that. You could go many various different directions but it doesn't mean that you're going the wrong way yeah and that's what sometimes i think you know i was explaining that you know sometimes you know incoming freshmen have a difficulty you know understanding that it doesn't have to be a linear path anymore right and then you know we just started talking about you know what it meant to create their story and and i and i just really appreciated that off the opportunity to to connect with them you know mm-hmm. uh, to connect with that population mm-hmm. and then just most recently uh, an old uh, student of, that used to go to school school here her name is uh, Melissa Starbuck she uh, she actually got a is working I think is in I think it's in rifle or something like that uh, Fort Morgan in that north northeast Colorado area okay. which is a predominantly rural community right mm-hmm. and she had come down and she had come down uh, during our transfer orientation while I was busy here and she was just showing some high school kids around. I think they were probably talent search or upper bound kids. No, I think, yeah, they were upper bound kids. And so, you know, they had their trio work shirts on and everything. Right, right. And I was like, oh, man, cool. You know, let me see. She was like, yeah, do you want to talk to them? I was like, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. And so just kind of on the spot, man, I just uh, I just kind of like gave them a spiel about, you know, if you're thinking about Colorado State, cool, this is what we offer. But if, you, if, you're, but if you're not sure about what you're – uh, wanting to major in that's that's absolutely perfectly fine to come in undeclared because obviously you know I'm a, I'm a little biased as as, <laughs> as as to why students should consider coming coming to college undeclared because who really knows what they want to do at right. 18 shoot I'm 39 I still don't know what I do <laughs> <laughs> yeah man so so I I just kind of told him man you know what if you if you really want to start thinking about what what you what you want to major in here these are some things you consider Try to identify what's what's valuable to you. So, what are your values? What do you want to get connected to? You know, as far as extracurricular activities, but understand why you want to get connected to them. Because sometimes I feel like even now, what's which is kind of funny. And this is a, kind of a side note, but I think it's still uh, it's still valid. Um, you know, I had a young man that was actually uh, my my former president for the Undeclared Leadership Council, and I told him, well, "Why'd you join Undeclared Leadership?" And I think sometimes, and he kind of just opened up, and he was honest enough to say, hey, "You know, I just because it was something to do." Or it was, you know, just something to add on my resume. Right. And so, like, that's that's kind of where I was trying to emphasize that, you know, if you do it, 
try to understand why you're doing it. Don't right. just don't just say because it's gonna look good on my resume, and then you're not really sure why you're doing something. So I kind of really try to push that, you know. Um, you know, having to think about that and just think about the classes that are really resonating with them. So I just kind of threw in those seeds and see if any of them, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, took took that took that took that to heart. And you know, and, and I was like, man, this was pretty cool. And I just kind of had to go back to, back to my routine, you know, working with transfer students because uh, I was the I was trying to get them, uh, you know, register for classes and whatnot. But yeah, I was like, man, this is. And I told him, you know, I told him, yeah, you know, I'm. I did upper band for a couple of summers as a resident advisor, and I absolutely loved it. And just kind of give them a little bit of background, you know, and just so I can kind of connect with them on that level. And, and yeah. And so the trio connection still continues, and you feel like there's still a closeness there. Uh, the, the support network that was afforded uh, to you, um, your your position as an undeclared advisor, um, and now uh, looking ahead, and you're looking forward to that next step. I think the audience is curious. What is next for you? What what does come next? What is your what is the next chapter for you? Well, I've been contemplating the idea of a doctoral program, um, but I actually have to, you know, put in the work, and that's that's kind of been the the difficult the difficult part for me right now is just getting motivated to actually stick with the process. You know, I've kind of uh, been putting off the reading for a little bit, but tonight actually I'll be uh, I hired a, a tutor for my. GRE prep, because yeah. uh, I think, you know, standardized tests, you know, give me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I feel like I, I, I learned best when, when somebody could kind of present the information to me visually. Yeah. And so I, I think um, that'll hopefully be a good partnership. Um, seems like from what I was looking at the reviews, she had like people, 50 people that she served and all five stars. So obviously I was like, man, she, she seems pretty reputable. Yeah. So I'm definitely gonna hopefully you know get some really good info. I'm looking to probably take that uh, take the exam somewhere like early mid October. Okay. And then the the uh, application would be due on the first of December. So we'll yeah, see. Start coming up pretty quick. And yeah. Summer's already over. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I think I need to put this pedal to the metal and stop slacking off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I need to finish that book that I've been reading. Uh, it's called uh, Say My Name Fool or something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So. It's pretty much just talking about so right now I'm kind of like focusing on um, well which is a really pertinent topic now like sports popular culture and politics yeah. and I feel like that's and I feel like that's kind of come circle for me because like I remember like reflecting back on my life you know sports was really a big outlet for me and it's kind of ironic you know that I you know like just kind of looking at the at the literature you know uh, sports are used as a as a as a tool to help you know, particularly, you know, uh, communities of color, you know, keep them away from, you know, gangs, drug violence, all that, all that type of stuff. But like for those of the, for those that are fortunate enough to get to like a professional level, it kind of, they get exploited. Mm. So it's, it's kind of ironic, honestly, yeah. you know, you, you use sports to get out of, to try to get out of the, of the circumstances that you're in. But then when you're in that, in, if you're fortunate enough to become a professional, you can get exploited. And then if you try to speak up uh, and speak and articulate maybe thoughts that are injustices that are going on in the country, you're essentially shut down, i.e. Colin Kaepernick. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good, very good point. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I know the audience, I'm excited for you for the future that, that the book holds. Mm -hmm. And uh, you pursuing a PhD, that's amazing. That's an inspiration. 
and uh, we're definitely going to have to do a follow-up interview after you graduate. Absolutely. Uh, and we're going to have you back on the podcast. For sure. Um, so this has been an interview with Jose Valdez. He is the Colorado State University Undeclared Advisor. Uh, Jose, it was a pleasure having you on the program. Thank you. I'd love to uh, continue uh, you know, providing any type of uh, feedback that you that you uh, would like me to provide. And this was um, amazing. You know, Trio is a big part of my big part of my heart. Um, honestly, like if it wasn't for Trio, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. You know, uh, that was very imperative for my success. And they, they they helped me in more ways than I probably could could have imagined outside of just academics. So obviously, it was just that those relationships that I was able to gain and also just get get connected. Um, work in other capacities within TRIO. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you'll consider uh, co-hosting with me at some point for, podca- for the podcast. I'm down. All right, man. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Jose. Thank you.